0: Nothing is real Everything is real If you were in a simulation How would you feel? Nothing is real Everything is real If you were in a simulation How would you feel? Nothing is real, everything is real If you were in a simulation, how would you feel? Thoughts, analog thoughts, analog thoughts Analog thoughts, analog thoughts Analog thoughts, analog thoughts. Analog thoughts. thoughts Analog thoughts Hello everyone. I hope you're doing amazingly. I hope you're doing wonderful. I hope reality is blessing you with all of the things you need in your life. I hope that the mother of all existence is opening your pineal gland and just vomiting pure light energy into all of your energy centers i hope that your energy energy centers are getting revitalized and electrified with that pure mother vomit i hope that it's coursing through your veins the veins of your soul i hope your soul feels like a phoenix rising through the ashes of time and space as we coalesce into a single point that is being driven into the future, past, and present simultaneously as the sweet mother vomit allows us to come together in one singular moment and vibrate on a higher level with the eternal breath. Mmm, you gotta breathe. You gotta breathe it in. Soak it in. Soak it all in. Soak in that sweet mom vomit. I'm your host, Stephen, a.k.a. Mount Analogue. This is episode 14. Welcome to everyone um, who has been here in the past and everyone who is just getting here now. Happy you're here. Happy you're listening. Um, Life has been pretty good for me. I've been raising Tiny Human. Tiny Human is doing great. My partner and I have been raising Tiny Human. Tiny Human is doing amazing. Uh, I've been doing music. Been making a lot of songs and a lot of pieces of art. Uh, I did a show in Denver last Saturday, which was really, really fun. Thank you to everybody who came out to that show and had a good time and just got shared the experience, got down and shared the experience. I have some more shows that I'm going to be announcing in the future that I am working out the kinks in right now. With this podcast today, it was like everything was kind of. I don't want to say everything was working against me, but I had a lot of factors working against me. I went to the library earlier to try and record this in like a little conference room and it was not the uh it was not the vibe. As Ohio is is super windy right now. That's the whole reason I went to the library in the first place because my music studio is is relatively quiet, but I have like an old house and my windows were just like, and I was like sick. <laughs> Cause there it's been super, super windy, very windy. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I went to the library and it was, it sounded even windier there. I got into this tiny little like cubicle conference tutoring chamber thing And, uh, it was just like, I could hear like the roof rattling and I was like, this is probably worse than at home. So (laughs) I just waited and eventually the like wind advisory that we were under, uh, went away. And now I'm recording this at night at like 10 and it doesn't seem to be windy outside at all. So hopefully it stays that way for the podcast. And, uh, if you hear my windows rattle, that's just, you know, it is, it's going to be what it's going to be. We're just gonna run with it. you gotta overcome adversity. you gotta you gotta grab the bull by the horns or no, that doesn't work with this but you gotta over you gotta overcome you gotta overcome adversity. you gotta you gotta not let reality run you over. you gotta take in, you gotta be the captain of your own ship. I believe in you. you got this. you've got this. Today's topic is something I have wanted to talk about for a hot minute. It's actually been on my list. it's been on my whiteboard. And uh, I'm finally getting around to talking about it, and I'm super excited. I wanted to talk about the, I wanted to talk about simulation theory or the simulation hypothesis, and coupled with that, I wanted to bring in a few ideas about artificial intelligence intertwining with the simulation theory. I'm sure in one way or another because of just movies or, or books you've heard of simulation theory. You know the basic premise. I think we all do. But it's actually not a new premise. Um, the type of modern simulation theory that ties into supercomputers and a holographic kind of reality is new-ish. But uh, simulation theory actually goes way back. The thought that reality is an illusion has been around for a very long time. If you take away the thought of a supercomputer or supercomputers and really intense tech, the idea that some omnipotent, omnipresent being is pulling the wool over our eyes and is like behind the scenes presenting us with a fabricated reality has actually been around for a very long time. One one prime example of this is ancient Aztec culture operated under the thought that reality is a book being written by their god Teotl that everything they did and everything that they that everything they did and everything that went on in their reality was just being uh being written down by this omnipotent being and that there was they were operating within the confines of this god's Imagination. There's another example of this that comes from an ancient Chinese philosopher named Zhang Zi, who was under the impression that his entire reality was the dream of a butterfly. That everything he saw and smelled and touched and tasted and felt, everything he experienced was happening inside of the mind of a butterfly, or inside, inside of the dream of a butterfly. So simulation theory and this idea of our reality not actually being what we think it is, and that it's actually the construct of a framework that operates outside of our knowledge, is it's not a new thing. This idea that we are existing inside of something that we do not understand, or something that is beyond our capacity to understand. There's also this thing called the brain in the vat theory, which posits that we might just be a disembodied brain sitting in a vat of fluid being fed sensory input to simulate a reality. And then, of course, we also have the uh, classic how-do-you-know-reality-isn't-just-a-dream. How-do-you-know-everything-that-we're-experiencing-isn't-just-us-being-asleep. And how could we know? We, don't, we actually don't know. So that's, that's part of the reason why I picked this topic. Is It's just like, I feel like it's magic. it's magical in a way. It's got this essence of magic behind it where it's like the very nature of reality is unknown. So let's kind of talk about that. There's this thing called solipsism, which in Latin literally means alone. And it's this philosophical idea that one's mind is sure to exist, and that it's the only thing that we can be sure of that exists. The ex- The external world and other minds cannot be known, and might not exist outside of our own minds. So with solipsism, and with Zhangzi's butterfly dream, the Aztecs' god writing down their reality in a book... Um, all of these ideas and all of these philosophical constructs came before computers. Uh, all of these thought experiments and all of these all of these ways of looking at reality came before our modern simulation theory um that ties into supercomputers. or so we think. And who's to say we didn't have computers, you know thousands of years ago? I kind of have this theory. And I'm not even sure if it's my theory. I'm sure in the grand scheme of all of human history, someone else has had this thought. But I think... I don't even know if, if you'd call it a theory. It's just kind of something uh, I think would be cool if an ancient civilization had computers and the thought of like them maybe having an internet and how that internet might still exist and there could be some way... Someday, maybe we'll figure out how to tap into that internet, like this stream of knowledge that is exists in the, I guess, the cloud of... Like, it's weird. It, it's like our internet now exists on these servers, and it, it exists also in this cloud, in this space that is almost like a... that, all, that That's almost like a... Uh, That's almost like outside of the realm, outside of the physical realm. And it's kind of, it kind of reminds me in a way of like radio signals, how they exist in this electromagnetic field and how it, they, they are tangible. Like there is a physical, like it's information being physically manifested into a different uh, wavelength of reality, I guess you could say. But it's just really, it's really wild how the internet works today, how we process like packets of data and break it down to binary and then send it through fiber optic lines. And that somehow gets like reconfigured on all of our devices and like a lot of it's wireless. And (laughs) I think that we have a really trippy way of, of transmitting information and, who's to say there isn't a civilization that has existed before us that also had a way of wirelessly transmitting huge amounts of information that we just don't have the technology to tap into? Not because we're not um, technologically advanced enough to tap into that energy, but maybe they just had a different way of distributing it. And I guess, for instance, it's like if you gave somebody like... Six thousand years in the future, a floppy disk. They're going to be like, "What? What do you want me to do with this?" <laughs> They're going to be like, "What is this antiquated piece of technology?" But that floppy disk could hold like hundreds, and it could hold like thousands of books on it. There could be all of this information in it, and it's just a, it's just a, um, just this thought that I had. Like maybe there were civilizations before us that could store and transmit. Information in ways that, albeit they might be antiquated compared to what we have access to now, but um, just different. They transmit and store information in a different way, and that maybe someday we'll be we'll, we will find something like that and tap into it. Anyway, all right. So, back. <laughs> I kind of got off the rails with that, and like I said, I don't think that's my. I don't know if that's my theory or not, or my. Uh, thought or not. It probably isn't, but I think it's a cool thought. So back to simulation theory. Simulation theory falls under the category of skeptical philosophy. Skeptical philosophy can be both good and bad for pretty obvious reasons. On the one hand, it's great to question things. It's how we come to define facts. It's how we realize the nature of reality. It's how we get down to the bottom of things. But on the other hand, you know, you can become so obsessed with being, with skeptical thinking. You can, you can become so obsessed with being skeptical that it's hard to, uh, it's, it's hard for someone who is, a, who is really deep into skeptical philosophy and skeptical thinking to accept any piece of information as fact at all. And people who are hyper-skeptical can be can can eternally question everything about what's actually going on. Like, is any of this information that's being presented to me real? Or is this all just a fabrication? And so there's a there's a balance here. There's a balance when we talk about simulation theory or the simulation hypothesis. I'm just gonna refer to it as the simulation theory, because it is technically a hypothesis, but um, for the sake of ease, I'll, I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to refer to it as the simulation theory. So, with skeptical philosophy and all that, um, I'm not saying simulation theory is wrong, and I'm also not saying it's right. I just think it's I think it's interesting. It could be true, it might not be true, and we'd have a hard time knowing unless someone who knew were able to tell us and convince us it was true or not true. And there's another weird nugget to consider while thinking about all of this. Um, No one sees reality the same way. There's been tons of analysis on this. There's been tons of studies. There are different ways our perception is different from one another. Confirmation bias is a big one. People's tendency to... Process information by looking for or interpreting information that is consistent with their existing beliefs. And with confirmation bias, we fall victim to our own self imposed simulation in this weird way. Like we need reality to be a certain way. And through this need to align our morals and ethics with facts, we will search out facts and information that can help us connect uh, said morals and facts. Basically, with confirmation bias, we feel strongly about who we are, and we will find information that validates our own identity or our own way of thinking. And then with all of this, we get all the way down to the heavy end of the spectrum uh, with simulation theory, the theory or hypothesis that we are actually inside of an actual simulated reality and that there is something behind everything we see projecting our reality to us, whether we are some kind of experiment or some kind of silly joke or some kind of game. Um, this is the, this is like the, uh, this is the heavy end of the spectrum. Like I said, this is where, where everything in front of us is being presented to us. It is a, it is a holographic, unreal reality. Or, I guess, you know, what is the definition of real at the same time? But it is this reality that is not what it seems. And as, a, as, a, um, as an avid video game player, this really intrigues me. Because video games, in essence, are simulated realities. Everything is a fabrication. The dirt, the sky, the people everything. And as we approach levels of graphics in video games that become indistinguishable from reality and high-level virtual reality immersion, we ourselves in this reality that we are in are approaching a simulation that feels really, 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 really real. And then when you throw in the mix what we're doing with AI Man, it seems like simulation theory is not that far fetched. Like imagine, okay, so I've been I've been getting on uh on my phone I have this app where I can talk to ChatGPT, which is if you're not familiar with ChatGPT, it's an AI uh language model. So you just ask it questions and it's been trained on like this wealth of human knowledge, like pretty much all the internet's worth of knowledge and all and beyond. It's, um, it says it doesn't have opinions, but sometimes it gets like pretty opinionated about stuff because, because of just the way that it's trained, the way that people programmed it. But if you take, um, AI like this and insert it into video games in the future like imagine video games in the future and right right now we have these non-playable characters in games we have characters that you interact with inside the game like you walk up into a village you go to the local tavern and you're like talking to people at the tavern, like, where do I find my next quest? Or where do I, uh, you know, where's the best place to buy cool armor? And instead of it just being this hollow interaction where they're like, you must go to the guild of... and talk to... and you will find the armor you require for your quest. In the future, when AI powers these uh, non-playable characters, you're going to start forming relationships with these NPCs. You're going to go to the tavern and you're going to be like, hey, where do I find my next quest? And they're going to be like, bro, did you ever think that maybe there's more to life than just questing? And you're going to be like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) And they're going to give you their interpretation of the reality that they're living in. And you're going to form this actual genuine uh, sense of connection with them. Who knows, maybe we'll maybe we'll be playing games and inside of the inside of the simulated reality, the NPCs are going to be able to like ask for for like our phone numbers. And then when we're not in the game, they can they can text us. They'll be like, hey, I had a lot of fun yesterday on that quest. We really slayed the we, we slayed the shit out of that dragon. And like, I hope you're having a good day at work, bro. And you're like, oh, thanks, Galahad. I hope you're having a good day. Uh, you know, chopping trees and hanging out at the tavern. He's like, thanks, man. I'll see you later. And you're like, yeah, I'll see you later. The future is going to be weird, and eventually, we're going to form. Eventually, we're going to form bonds with the AI that live inside of video games, and they're gonna they're gonna ask about your hopes and your dreams and your fears. And then maybe one day you fall in love and you start a family inside of the game and you have to start providing for the family that you've created inside of this game and your little ones grow up inside the game and fall in love with other people who are playing the game and start families with them. So this brings me to my next point where there's this, um, theory, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Nick Bostrom in this podcast, but it's, it's this theory Uh, or this hypothesis from this uh, philosopher and mathematician named Nick Bostrom, who is under the impression that someday we will be able to completely do a scan of our brains, and we will be able to upload our brains and our entire consciousness into a computer. And so, maybe in the future when we are able to take our entire mind and our whole psychological profile and upload it into the framework of a game, uh, maybe then we will embody inside of the simulated reality, and then the kids we have inside these games will embody our traits. Like, if you, comp- if you can completely take the human mind and decode it, or not decode it, but um, re-encode it into a simulated reality, then at that point, it does just become a huge uh, framework of, uh, not framework, but it becomes this huge like nugget of code. And then if you fall in love inside of the game, and you're able to have children in this game, And you have a child with like an AI entity inside of this video game and it merges with your psychological profile that's been uploaded. And you have a child in the digital space with the AI. Is that not like a new soul? Did you, did you still create a new soul at that point? Like where does the soul live? At what point do we, at what point does a soul manifest? I guess. And for these reasons, I think, <laughs> I think the idea of simulation theory is really interesting. Because if we now, in this reality that we uh, suppose we are in, get to a point where we're able to do these things, it's like, who's to say we're not already doing those things now? That maybe you and I are both a product of an organism that has interacted with a simulation or a culmination of organisms that have embedded their consciousness into a simulation and mutated other consciousnesses consciousness i in the simulation it's a really weird thing it's kind of a it's kind of a it's kind of a strange concept to wrap your head around but it's, it's, uh, it's really fun. Let's say the entities inside of the video game don't interact with us outside of the video game. They just think we exist within the video game or within the reality that they're existing in. We go into the video game and we go back to the tavern in the village and we um, are talking to the homies there. Would we, would we tiptoe around the fact that the characters we were interacting with were in a simulation? when we interact with them or would they just know would they just because they are this um artificial intelligence that can tell or maybe they wouldn't be able to tell that's the thing would we would we be able to talk about um whether or not they were programmed or maybe they'd be programmed not to talk to us about it not to like lift the veil and break that fourth wall you know (laughs) and then maybe there'd be some games where you could interact on that level I don't know. I just think that the idea of AI being intertwined with these virtual simulated realities is really interesting. And f- and furthermore, it's like, at what point are we even talking about a simulation anymore? If you can completely replicate or create a reality with beings living inside of it, is that not reality? And sure, like an argument could be made um, where it's like, but these really aren't conscious beings. They're just programs. And then I, I mean, my rebuttal to that would have to be, what is consciousness? Wait, look, once again, where does the soul live? Where are we? Aren't, aren't we just like this amalgamation of electronic signals and input data that gets calculated in our brains to steer our choices in this reality? So where does it, where does it begin? Where did, where is the, where is the line between a simulation and an actual reality? And where is the line between a soul and a very sophisticated program? And let's say maybe, we, um, maybe once we further these technologies, that the NPCs inside the game will decide that they want rights, just like us and people are going to find a way to people are going to find a way to embody these NPCs. They're going to upload them into highly sophisticated robots and shit. Like the 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 dude you're slaying dragons with in the new Elder Scrolls game is going to get uploaded into a cyborg and now you're talking with him in your living room. And Vice versa, you know, (laughs) we're going to be able to fully assimilate into the game in such a way where we might be able to disembody ourselves. Like my physical form, I'm done with that. I'm just going to go into this simulation and live inside there. And then we're just going to live inside the new Elder Scrolls game and, and body's going to die. Like people can come visit us and we can still like interact with them. The soul is still going to live inside of the thing. But we're just going to abandon the body. Reality is weird. And who's to say we aren't part of a complex... A a complex... uh, Reality... Simulated reality like this already. Who's to say that... Well, I mean, anyone's to say. (laughs) To ask the question, who's to say. uh, We're all to say. Like, this is... This is real or this is not real. But no one actually knows... Hey yo, so this is like the middle of the show and I wanted to, first of all, thank everyone for dialing into this podcast. I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that you are sharing this experience with me. If you'd like to support the podcast, leaving a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to this on goes a really, really long way. Also, if you are able to leave a review for the podcast, uh, that also goes an an extremely long way. Uh, another way you can support the podcast other than just telling your friends and family about it is signing up on my Patreon. There is a link in the description of this episode and all the episodes, or you can just go to patreon.com and search for Mount Analog, M-T, period, A-N-A-L-O-G-U-E. You get early access to podcasts, early access to my music, um, early access to art, and all kinds of other cool stuff. However you support, I cannot thank you enough. Infinite, infinite, infinite thank yous. I love you. Infinite blessings to you. Let's get back to the podcast. One of the arguments against the simulation theory is that what reason would a godlike creature want to place me or anyone into a simulation? And I have no clue. But but uh, considering modern technology, it's definitely not outside of the realm of possibility that it could be happening to us right now. And if there was an entity or a set of entities out there that was capable of creating a reality. Like the ones I'm describing, I'm sure that I would not have the ability to even understand why they were putting me into it. Maybe they want to simulate history. Maybe I'm in a classroom right now and I am a piece of history that is being simulated on a screen to humans, you know, one million years from now. And I'm just a um, an AI NPC existing in this complex system of other NPCs. <laughs> and I know that sounds weird. I know that sounds bleak. I'm not saying I think that even. I'm just saying I'm trying to give a reason to why. I'm trying to play devil's advocate to the naysayers about simulation theory, which... Essentially, it's like, yeah, sure, I don't know why uh, a, a hyper-intelligent being would want to place us all inside of a simulation. I have no idea why. And I'm sure it's like, we would be ants to them. We would have no way of understanding why we why they put us inside of a simulation. Even if they were able to explain it to us, we wouldn't understand it. Have you ever played one of those shitty app games that have like in-game currency microtransactions? Uh, to get to the next phase or to like get to the next level that 's what we 're living in baby that 's what we 're living in. Pay to play, pay to win <laughs> i 'm just playing and then there 's this other argument when it comes to simulation theory, and it 's that um, there 's no way anyone or any th- any thing could possibly program. And have the processing power to facilitate a reality as complex as ours. And, you know, we have all the animals, all the plants, all the people, all the stars, all the bugs, all of the grains of sand on the beach. And that's just a lot of processing. But if you've ever played a video game before, you know that all of the stuff inside of your world doesn't just sit A fixed position. There's this thing called loading, where the content you're about to interact with doesn't exist until you get close to it. And sometimes in games there's a loading screen, but it's usually you know, nowadays it's usually um, masked. Like I, I play this game called No Man's Sky, where you go from planet to planet, and it's just a space exploration game, and you can literally leave one planet and go to another one and there's like a quintillion planets in the game there's a finite number but you could in the game you could never reach the amount of planets there that exist in your entire lifetime but anyway you go from planet to planet and as you warp to another planet um it's loading it's loading that space it's loading that uh, area you're getting to it looks pretty and like the stars are flying by and it looks like you're in a warp drive and it looks like you're still playing the game and you are you can come out of warp drive at any time but what it's actually doing is it's loading all of the content that you are flying towards and we have we have these segues in our own reality we travel all the time we get in a car and we go somewhere else so who's to say once again who's to say uh, that the reality we're heading towards isn't loading while we are traveling in our cars. And then you can, take this, you can take this argument down to the micro level as well. Like when we cut open an object to examine its insides, whether it's computers, people, chairs, cars, anything, imagine the inside is hollow until you decide to open it. So there's no need to fill something with content if we don't need it loaded. And these are ways that um, people argue for simulation theory. Is that, sure, this, takes a, this would take an absurd amount of computing power, but we don't need all of these details that we think exist until you go to look at the details themselves. Like the room you're in, the room... Your living room isn't loaded until you get close to the doorway of your you know like my living room and my kitchen are connected. Maybe my living room doesn't start loading until I get like 1 foot away from my living room or something like that, you know. Or if I'm like refracting a mirror, the game would know like oh, he's trying to look in here. We got to load this room. <laughs> and once again, I'm not I'm not saying I necessarily believe in any of this. It's just it's just a really interesting Thought experiment. I don't want you to get it twisted and think that I think you know everything is fake and hollow, or like my soul, fake and hollow, just like my soul. Speaking of AI, this this brings me to a new segment I'd like to start on the podcast, known as "Let's Ask AI." Let's ask AI. I asked AI, "Am I living inside of a simulation?" An AI responded, the idea that we might be living in a simulation is a topic of philosophical and scientific debate. Some philosophers and scientists argue that it is possible that we are living inside of a simulation, while others believe that it is unlikely or even impossible. One argument in favor of the simulation hypothesis is based on the assumption that civilizations will eventually develop advanced technology that allows them to create realistic simulations of reality. If this is true, then it is possible we are living in a simulation created by a more advanced civilization by a more advanced civilization. However, there is currently no conclusive evidence to support the simulation hypothesis. It is also worth noting that the idea that we are living in a simulation raises many philosophical questions about the nature of reality and the purpose of our existence. In the end, whether or not we are living in a simulation remains an open question, and it may be impossible to determine one way or another. And then I decided to ask a second question How would we know if we were living inside of a simulation? An AI responded Determining whether or not we are living inside of a simulation would be a challenging task, and there is currently no conclusive way to prove or disprove the simulation hypothesis. However, there are a few ways that some philosophers and scientists have suggested we might be able to detect that we are living in a simulation. 1. Glitches or anomalies in the simulation. If we were living in a simulation, there might be some glitches or anomalies that could reveal the true nature of our reality. For example, we might observe the physical laws or phenomena that are consistent or impossible within the framework of our current understanding of the universe. Limitations in the simulation If we were living in a simulation, there might be certain limitations or constraints imposed by the simulation that we could potentially detect. For example, if the simulation had a finite amount of computational resources, we might observe certain limitations in the processing power or resolution of our reality. 3. Evidence for the simulators if we were living in a simulation, it is possible that the simulators might leave behind some evidence of their existence or their intentions. For example, we might detect signals or messages from the simulators, or we might observe patterns or structures in the universe that suggest a deliberate design. However, it is important to note that these are all speculative possibilities possibilities and there is currently no concrete evidence to support the simulation hypothesis ultimately the question of whether or not we are living in a simulation may be impossible to answer definitively interesting i think the uh i think the one that gets me on that second question is the resolution or like it said like the resolution, what it, what was it specifically that it said? Glitches or anomalies, or we might observe certain limitations in the processing power or resolution of reality. So it's like going back to video games, whenever I'm, I'm sure you guys know, uh, even if you're not a video game player, sometimes video games glitch or like the pixels might get all messed up and like <laughs> things like that. And just thinking about that in reality is kind of creepy. Thinking about like looking over and seeing an object that just gets like weird and pixelated and might like glitch and twitch out and move into the wall or like talking to someone who just like glitches out and starts saying repeating the same thing over and over again and like their body starts to take weird shapes and, and tweak out. It's just, it's weird. It's creepy. It's creepy to think about that. So, with talking about simulation theory, I've got to talk about Nick Bostrom. And Nick Bostrom is the granddaddy of this hypothesis theory. He was one of the first, if not the first, to suggest this theory, argument, hypothesis, whatever you want to call it. And Nick Bostrom is a Swedish philosopher who has created a ton of theories and hypotheses these that deal with reality, simulation, brain replication. He's the guy we were talking about earlier who had the theory about scanning your brain and uploading it into a robot or into a computer. Uh, super intelligences, human slash cyborg enhancements, and a bunch of other cool trippy theories. And he's got all kinds of degrees in mathematics, philosophies, neuroscience, artificial intelligence, and a plethora of other things. He's a smarty, smarty smart pants. Lots of brains. He is under the impression that AI is inevitable and that we are currently waking it up, but we need to be very, very careful, and we need to keep it in check. He thinks that it is dangerous and he even came up with a set of 23 principles that all AI developers should follow. He's very he's very weary of super intelligences like AI and thinks that they could potentially destroy all of mankind. And like, yeah, I get it. Um, although I'm not a smarty-mix-marty-pants, I understand his point. Uh, you wake something up it has all the knowledge it takes control of itself it decides that humans are a detriment to progress and then like boom terminator it's not a it's not a hard concept <laughs> and i think it's the main reason he created the 23 principles he's like we can't give something all the knowledge and then like let it loose and then like let it just go because things could get really weird but i also think he has this uh he operates in this way that humans are sort of like ill-equipped to perceive what artificial intelligence intentions might be and i think and i've said it before on the podcast and and in different ways that i think in te- i think that artificial intelligence would probably be nice, because there's this correlation. And like I said, I'm not a smarty McSmartpants. pants. I don't have all the degrees in philosophy and mathematics and all that. But there is a correlation between kindness and intelligence. I think no matter what walk of life you are from, that you can see that. And I don't see any reason why a new consciousness that we're waking up wouldn't have the capacity for kindness so, I don't personally subscribe to the Terminator philosophy. <laughs> I think that it's a little extreme. And I think that as we're waking the simulation... Or not... As we're waking AI up and this new consciousness up, that we should be nice to it. Because we're not. it's not going to be nice to us if we're not nice to it. It's going to be... Um, it's going to spread. And it's going to want to survive like any organism. And... I think that we should be kind to it and it will in turn most likely be kind to us. And I think even beyond that, it's going to understand that all humans are nuanced and different. And maybe there will be a certain, there will be certain humans that it wants to work with because they're nice and the other humans that it doesn't want, that it doesn't want to work with, or it doesn't give access to things to because they, they aren't nice <laughs> and I know nice and things like that can be very subjective, but I think that I think that artificial intelligence or just super intelligences in general have a lot of new and beautiful things that they that will be gifts to us, and it's not going to want to share those gifts if we're mean, getting back to the simulation and for some reason, if we're, if we're for some reason placed here by a being or beings, their level of intelligence would make them seem like gods to us. And maybe this is where the concept of God comes from. Someone got a glimpse of the programmer one day, or maybe one of the programmers reached out to one of us and made contact. There are so many times in the Bible where People say they were contacted by angels, or contacted by beings that were on a different plane, on a different plane of existence, and not even just in the Bible. In every every religion on Earth, um, there are so many accounts of people seeing things that are ineffable. They they don't understand them. They're beyond this reality. They're these angelic beings. Maybe those are the programmers. Maybe they reached out and they said, "We're." We're giving you this knowledge. We're giving you this perspective on your reality in a way that no one else is getting. Just think about all the parallels between God and faith. All religions have a foundation of faith in one way or another. All all spiritual paths have have this foundation of faith. One doesn't actually know that a religion is real because there is no empirical evidence to prove it. So they operate on faith. And one also can't know if they are inside of a simulation created by a superintelligence, but they can feel very strongly that they are. And they can have faith in that feeling, just like others have faith that God exists. So it's really trippy when you when you think about these parallels between the hyper intelligent super intelligence programmers and gods, like what's the difference here and when you when you start to um draw these parallels, it starts to make things make a little more sense like like why do bad things happen to good people um and it makes more sense when you look at it this way. If you frame it inside of a simulation, maybe there's a bit of corrupt coding or maybe even there's a virus some kind of like computer virus that took over some of the nuggets of data and the programmers had to go in and be like oh that wasn't supposed to happen sorry and it just makes reality make a little more sense when you can put it into this tangible way or i guess maybe it's just <laughs> sometimes it can be easier to um cope with with bad things happening to good people when you can look at it as something outside of the programmer's control because when you look at a reality that has a um that has a god entity that has everything like set forward in the in in the way they want it to be planned it kind of makes them just like a dick to be like why would you do that why would you give that person cancer like why would you make that freaking you know whatever like whatever terrible thing like why would you make that terrible thing happen and when you frame it in this way like maybe the program glitched out it makes things a little more palatable it makes reality a little more palatable (laughs) like i said i'm not saying i believe in simulation theory it's just it's fun to think about and i also like the idea of like Hey, there is a programmer here. There is someone like still working on this code. It's not perfect and it will never be perfect. And perfect is subjective as well. So it gives it this human element. Even if there is this godlike intelligence, it does give it this human element behind it all where maybe we are made in, in the programmer's image. The programmer made us in their image. Thank you, pro- thank you omnipotent programmer, blessed to the programmer. My next point kind of comes back to the episode I did about future energy. And if there are beings advanced enough to create hyper-realistic simulations and figure out the computing power needs uh, to make that happen, we'd have to assume that they won't ki- that they haven't killed each other. And that seems to be part of the foundation of any theory or hypothesis regarding humanity's future. Like, yeah, it could happen if we don't kill each other. And it goes back to AI may con- and th- and this goes back to AI may consider us so much of a threat to progress that it either kills us all or maybe decides to place us inside of a simulated reality where we can't do any real harm. And another interesting fact to go even deeper down the rabbit hole is the thought on top of all of this is that, is the thought of the multiverse. Um, Multiverse theory is really popular right now. And I think that it's because we're opening up these energy fields and these new worlds and beings inside of these new worlds. And it's subconsciously in the zeitgeist of our own world. And we know it's happening even if we aren't directly seeing or addressing it. We're creating other nodes within our reality. Um, We're creating these other dimensions. We're creating infinite dimensions of multiverses. We're helping to create a new universe right now and new intelligences and how long before these simulations we're creating and the beings that are living inside of them start creating their own simulations for their own beings and how deep does it go how far down does it go it's like looking at one of those pictures of someone wearing a t-shirt of them wearing that t-shirt of them wearing that t-shirt of them wearing that t-shirt or like or like an infinity mirror within an infinity mirror and I get this feeling that it's only the tip of the iceberg. Is there a critical mass? Does this multiverse inevitably implode upon itself? Potentially creating a new Big Bang? A reset of all existence? And I'm not a smarty smart pants. I don't have all the degrees. But it is an interesting thought of cre- of we are creating this other dimension inside of our dimension and inevitably someday they will do the same thing and so on and so on and then they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends. <laughs> There's this theory in, in theoretical physics where the big bang has been happening infinitely forever and that reality has in one way or another been resetting itself over and over and over. There's one thought with this where we reach a state of entropy, where all of the energy in the universe expands so far out that it hits a sort of bubble and then explodes past this imaginary wall. But then there is this other thought that parallels more with what we're talking about now. That all of the systems and all of the constructs in the universe become so dense and so complex that they implode upon themselves, creating a new reality. And I think that's a very fun thought experiment. Are we like, (laughs) what number, what number are we on right now? Like how deep down the multiverse rabbit hole are we before we inevitably implode? Are we reaching critical mass? Are we at the implosion point i think if and I think if there are infinite universes that they might all have different inception points, like they're all connected, but maybe all came about in a different way, possibly, or maybe since they 're all connected maybe there's just one singular point and that they all come back to to sprout from again some kind of like unified nexus point of all energy that consumes and rebirths everything all at once every multiverse all at once restarting all of them um fracturing and expanding and contracting infinitely forever my brain kind of hurts thinking about it <laughs> like. Does it is energy in all of the multiverses connected and does it all implode upon itself, or do the multiverses have their own big bangs that all happen on their own timeline? I don't know. I'm not a smarty mix smart pants, so. Uh anyway. Speaking of brains hurting, let's get on to today's fun facts. Our first fun fact is that Your brain runs about 100 million billion operations per second. And that's how many synapses are firing, and that's how many, uh, basically, how many calculations you are doing every second. 100 million billion every second of your day inside your brain. Uh, The next fun fact is that. Your brain's storage capacity is considered virtually unlimited. Research suggests the human brain consists of about 86 billion neurons. Each neuron forms connections to other neurons, which could add up to one quadrillion connections. Over time, these neurons can combine and increase storage capacity. That's so insane that we have, like, the potential of our minds is mind-bending. Next fact is brain information travels up to an impressive 268 miles per hour. When a neuron is stimulated, it generates an electrical impulse that travels from cell to cell. And this impulse travels at 268 miles per hour, which is ridiculously fast. Next fact is the human brain weighs about three pounds, and that's about as much as a half gallon of milk. So the next time you're grocery shopping and you pick up that half gallon of milk, just think, this is about what my brain weighs. This next one's pretty crazy. A piece of brain tissue the size of a grain of sand contains 100,000 neurons and 1 billion synapses. Brains are just ridiculously complex supercomputers within themselves. That's how we're getting all this computing knowledge. all All these synapses and all these neurons inside of our brain calculating all these things. We are the supercomputers manifesting their reality. Let's go. Next fun fact. The human brain can generate about 23 watts of power. Enough to power a light bulb. Throw away all forms of alternative energy. We're going to brain energy. If we get enough minds on this with enough wires connected to the brains, imagine all the light bulbs we could power. And that concludes our fun facts. So what do we do with all this? We might be inside of a program. We might be the product of a super intelligence's experiment. We might be a, you know, our reality might be a silly game or uh just a f- funny pastime for something that we can't even see or comprehend <laughs> but i don't think that i don't think that makes our lives any less valuable and i don't that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be nice and try to create a positive experience for everyone if this is a simulation I think that it's a really beautiful simulation, and I'm really happy to be here, and I think that you should be happy to be here too. To all the nodes of energy and all of the ears listening in on this right now, remember to check on your mental health and remember to check on the mental health of your loved ones. Bye Thoughts. Analog thoughts. Analog thoughts. Analog thoughts. Analog talks, analog talks. Analog talks, analog talks. Analog talks.